Well, hi, and welcome to the Trinity Church Brighton Sermon Podcast. Uh, my name is Matt. Uh, we had a technical issue with our sermon recording this Sunday, so I'm in my office this week. Uh, but I'm going to uh, try and give you the sermon uh, for those of you who listen along online uh, as best I can. Uh, so thanks, as always, for listening. Uh, we had two readings this week. Uh, the first reading is from Genesis chapter 18. Uh, it's verses 1 to 15. Uh, and then we also read the first seven verses of Genesis 21. Uh, so let me do the two readings. Uh, Genesis 15, 1 to... Uh, sorry, Genesis 18, 1 to 15. And then Genesis 21, 1 to 7. Uh, and then I'll preach the sermon for you. So Genesis 18. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre, while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favour in your eyes, my lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so that you can be refreshed and then go on your way, now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered. Do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three sears of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herb, herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set those before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where's your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year and, your, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, Yes, you did laugh. Now the first seven verses of Genesis chapter 21. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Well, one of the qualities that I really respect in others is when people deliver on what they say they're going to do. Uh, and yeah, of course, no one's perfect on this, but it's nice when you know that if someone says they're going to do something, they, they mean it, they'll deliver. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, our front door at home, uh, we live in quite an old house and the door frame uh, is not really properly square and our, our front door often gets a bit jammed, especially when it's humid and it, it's slowly been getting worse and worse and the lock is kind of coming loose and, you know, you need you need to be able to open and close your front door. It's a pretty essential function of a, of a door and of a house really and uh, anyway, what happened is a couple of weeks ago, the door was has been slowly getting worse and worse, you know, it's starting to take a real shoulder to get our front door open uh, and we'd been busy so you know we hadn't got around to do anything about it but uh one afternoon we just got frustrated and say all right that's it we need a new door uh so we jump in the car 
Uh, we just we just need a new door. Like, um, we just need a new door. We're busy. We need a front door quickly. We just need a new door. No fuss. Uh, uh, and then we thought, ah, I don't know. There's that company, Doors Plus. I'm sure you know the jingle. You know, Doors Plus. No fuss, right? You know, great. Sounds perfect. Just what we need. Uh, who says marketing it doesn't work? Hey. No, I don't normally um, slam private businesses in a sermon, but I'm going to do it today. So, uh, sorry if you've got shares in Doors Plus or something like that, but. Uh, doors plus, no fuss, in we go. Need a front door. Uh, what are we looking at? Uh, and what they said at the Doors Plus store was actually, sorry, but there's a six-day weird wait, week wait on doors at the moment. I'm not even kidding. I was like, what? You know, you, you literally only sell doors. What do you mean there's a six-day week wait? Week, week, wait? But uh, look, they, 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 they said anyway, well, why don't we come and do a measure and a quote and we'll let you know how much it'll all be anyway. So fine. Um, let's give that a go. A couple of days later, they came and measured our front door. Uh, and, and when they were measuring it, they said, oh, sorry about this, but we can get a door for you, but we don't actually have any door handles that will fit. Again, I was like, what? You know, what do you, what do you mean? It's just a door handle and you guys are like a specialist door shop and ah, you're meant to be doors plus no fuss, but... Look, what ended up happening is that uh, I just ended up having to spend a couple of hours on YouTube figuring out how to fix a door. I went to Bunnings and got a new lock, uh, installed it all. It probably ended up cheaper in the end anyway. But look, Doors Plus, uh, they didn't get any of our business. Their uh, their motto, Doors Plus, no fuss, that was their promise. Uh, but they did not deliver on what they said they would do. Well, here at Trinity, we're working our way through the book of Genesis at the, Genesis at the moment, the first book in the Bible. Uh, and as we come to our passage today, the big question that is right there in front of us is, is God going to deliver on what he promised? Is God going to come through and do what he said he was going to do? The section of Genesis that we're in, it follows people like Abraham and Sarah, although really the section's about God. It's, it's really about God's plan to make the world right through Abraham, through Abraham's descendants. Uh, and that, that plan started right back in Genesis chapter 12. You, if you've been listening along, you might remember uh, God promising Abraham and Sarah a child. Uh, the, he promised that they were going to have children, descendants. Uh, and back then, Abraham was 75. Sarah was about 65. So you already were kind of thinking like, oh, I wonder if God is going to come through with this. I wonder if God can actually do this. Uh, and years have been ticking by and, and the chances of God delivering on that promise of children just seems to be going down and down and down. The past couple of weeks, I've uh, said it's a bit like my chances of playing for the Australian cricket team. Um, I'm 33 years old. Uh, the chances of me playing cricket for Australia are already virtually zero. Uh, and every year I get older, I, I get the uh, every every year I get older, the chances of me playing cricket for Australia are just getting less and less and less. Well, Abraham and Sarah, the chances of Sarah having a child when she was 65, they were already pretty low. Uh, but the years are ticking by, and things are just getting even more unlikely. You've got to ask, is God going to deliver? Is he going to do what he said he was going to do? Time, Time's running out. Uh, and as we get to chapter 18, our, our reading for today, it's now 25 years later. 20, 25 years. Abraham's about to turn 100. You know, he's going to get his letter from the Queen. Sarah, he's 90. They've been waiting for a quarter of a century, 25 years, and there's still no child. Is God the kind of God who can deliver on this promise? Is God the kind of God who does what he says he's going to do? Because this promise is starting to seem pretty much impossible. Is this going to be doors plus, you know? No fuss? Well, actually, there was a lot of fuss. Well, we're going to see today that God finally does come through on his promise. We're going to think about that passage that I've just read out. If, you, uh, if you'd if you like to know where we're going to go, here's, here's the outline. Uh, it's up on the Sunday Hub as well. Uh, three things I think are helpful, helpful for us to notice from the passage today. Uh, number one, a long wait. 
Number two, a lavish meal. Uh, number three, a good laugh. A long wait, a lavish meal, and a good laugh. Uh, and once I've noticed those things, we'll just try and land things a little bit at the end uh, and talk about why this matters and particularly what it looks like to trust in a God who can do the impossible. So a long wait, a lavish meal, a good laugh. Uh, first, let's talk about the long wait. Uh, as we've said, God promised Abraham a child. It was 25 years ago, back when Abraham was 75, Sarah was 65. So now 25 years later, and finally, finally, the child now is going to come along. But let's uh, let's notice the long wait, because I think really the question is, why? Why why this 25-year long wait? Why, why, couldn't it, why couldn't it have been that? In Genesis 12, God promised a child, and then Genesis 13, the child was born, you know. Maybe nine, month, nine months later, that would have been pretty simple, right? So why the 25-year-old wait? If, you, if you've been with us the past few weeks, this is uh, the third week in a row that I'm up here talking about Abraham and Sarah waiting for a child. And I, I don't know about you, I'm starting to get a little bit over it. And we've only been talking about it for three weeks. You know, 25 years is a long time that Abraham and Sarah had to sit around and wait for this child to come. Why? Why the long wait? Well... I think today's reading gives us a clue. I think the whole thing, the whole long wait has been about making us ask this one little question that's right in the middle of today's Bible passage. I think it's all about this little question from today's story. It's in verse 14. The question is, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Think about what we've seen the past few weeks, and if you haven't been with us or you haven't been listening along, you won't know the story, so I apologize about that, but you, you, know, you, might, you might know the story anyway, of course, and um, I'm sure you'll be able to follow the logic. But think about what we've seen the past few weeks. Uh, back in Genesis 12, God promised a baby to a 65-year-old woman. Uh, would it have been remarkable for a 65-year-old woman to have a baby? Uh, you know, I don't know if there are any 65-year-old women here, women here this morning, but uh, look, I'm going to say yes. You know, pretty remarkable, almost impossible for a 65-year-old woman to have a baby. Although I, I googled it during the week, and uh, a few years ago there was a 62-year-old woman who had a baby in Tasmania, uh, and there have been reports of an Indian woman who had a baby at 74 a couple of years ago, which um, I'm not sure if they were ever verified, but uh, that would have been the world world record. Uh, but so obviously then Sarah having a baby at 65, it's very, very unlikely, almost impossible. But So maybe that's um, maybe that's how God's going to fulfill his promise, just a very, very unlikely birth. But uh, that's not what happens. Uh, and then a couple of weeks ago, you might remember in Genesis 15, uh, we read about Abraham potentially adopting a child, making someone else his heir maybe. Maybe that is how God, God's going to fulfill his promise. Um, you know, Abraham adopting someone, uh, that, that's a nice, simple way to do it, isn't it? Not too hard at all, but... No, God said, I need it to be your flesh and blood. Uh, and you might remember that was the passage with the promise of Abraham having as many children as there are stars in the sky. Then last week, Genesis 16, another option. Sarah came up with a plan. I know it could still be Abraham's child, but what if Abraham slept with a much younger woman and then it could be that woman's child, but it's still Abraham's child. So maybe that's how God can get this promise done. That wouldn't be too hard at all. But again, no, God says, no, this is going to be Abraham and Sarah's child. It's not going to be any third party involved. So here's the thing. If God had caused a 65-year-old woman to have a child, okay, that's pretty hard, pretty remarkable, but maybe not impossible. If God had brought about his promises through an adopted child, well, that's pretty easy. A a child through a younger woman, that's pretty easy too. You know, messy, but easy. Uh, But all of those options, you could still say God fulfilled his promise. But but what if God was to wait? What if God was to wait for Sarah to get even older? What if he was to wait for Abraham to get even older? What if he was to not take any easy ways out, but wait for Sarah to be 75, then 85, then 90? What if he was to 
wait till Sarah was 90 and then give her a child. What would that tell us about God? Well, it would give us the answer to that question, wouldn't it? Is anything too hard for the Lord? No, no, it's not. If he can take a 90-year-old woman and give her a child, I mean, by that point, we are dealing with something that is really, truly, undebatably impossible. Actually, I don't think undebatably is a word, but, you know, we can have that debate later. Uh, why Why the long wait? Why the long wait? Why this 25-year-old wait? Well, I think God wants to show us that for him nothing is impossible. He's a God who can do the impossible. Even give a child to Sarah at 90 years old, something that would be clearly totally impossible from any human perspective. But this is God we're talking about. Anyway, so that's the first thing to notice, the long wait. Uh, Secondly, let's notice the lavish meal. So Abraham and Sarah, they've been waiting a very long time. This is uh, really where we get into the passage that we had read out today. Uh, Verse 1, the Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. So Abraham's chilling out, just a 99-year-old dude hanging out the front of his tent. Uh, When along come these three visitors... Now, three visitors, they're a bit mysterious. We're going to find out a bit more about these three people next week. Uh, two of them are angels. Oh, sorry, not my microphone. Two of them are angels. Uh, and it's a, it's a bit intense, but the leader of this little trio is God. He's called the Lord. It's the name given to God. And exactly what's going on is a little bit mysterious. But one way or another, this is God. And two angels come to visit Abraham and Sarah. Now... Just a quick side point, some say that this might be an Old Testament appearance of Jesus. I, I think that kind of makes a lot of sense. You know, it's God, except um, some sort of form of God where God's a walking, talking person who you can you can look at and, and he's not overwhelming or anything. Um, that kind of sounds like Jesus, the second member of the Trinity to me, so I think that makes sense, but it is a little bit mysterious, so I'm not going to push too hard and trying to draw conclusions. Uh, next week, by the way, these three uh, visitors are going to still be involved. They're going to go off uh, to a place called Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, it's a very intense passage, uh, destruction coming out of heaven and destroying the whole city. It's it's a really tough passage, one of the really tough passages of the Bible, I think, actually. Uh, so just a heads up that that's what's coming next week. Uh, but for now, these three have come to talk to Abraham and Sarah. Abraham obviously realized pretty quickly that these three visitors are pretty special. So, because look at what he does. Uh, from verse 3, he said, If I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so that you can be refreshed and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Welcome, welcome. Let me get you some water, get you some food, put your feet up, get you refreshed. And very well, they answered too, as you say. Uh, we flagged this morning in church about an event we've got coming up soon. Guess who's coming to dinner? Uh, well, Abraham and Sarah, guess who's coming to dinner? It's God and two angels. Uh, that's pretty intimidating, isn't it? Especially because uh, they've just turned up at last minute. Uh, Abraham is going to need to get some good food fast. So uh, what does Abraham do? Well, he goes and finds his wife. Clever. Uh, so Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah quick. He said, get three sears of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Uh, he ran to the herd and selected a choice, tender calf, and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. Uh, he then brought some curds and milk and a calf that had been prepared, and he set those before them. While they ate, he stood near the tree. Uh, it's good hospitality, isn't it? Meat, milk, 
bread, curds. Uh, three sears of flour, by the way, is about 16 kilos. Uh, so we're talking quite a bit. This is a lot of food. You know, this is a really lavish meal. Um, if when we do do guess who's coming to dinner, if someone wants to cook up 16 kilos of flour, I'll be um, pretty impressed. Uh, and, and practicing hospitality is a wonderful thing, isn't it? Uh, and it's one of the reasons we are doing guess who's coming to dinner so we can practice being hospitable to one another, which is just a wonderful thing to do. But uh, look, the, the visitors have had their lavish meal. As, they get to, as we get to verse 9, uh, we find out why these visitors have actually come. Uh, so a long wait, point one, a lavish meal, point two. Uh, let's notice a good laugh. Now, I think everyone loves a good laugh, don't they? Uh, and the best kind of laughter is happy laughter, isn't it? Kind of surrounded by friends, you know, everyone's in a good mood, good joking, kind of laughing together, that sort of happy laughter. But there is sort of a, a not good laughing, isn't there? Maybe it's really cynical laughter or nervous laughter or laughing behind someone's back or, or laughter that causes hardship. Uh, the three visitors, they've had their lavish meal. It's now time to talk about why they've come and what they say causes Sarah to laugh. And the question is, is this a good kind of laughter? Uh, so let's see what it says. It says, verse 9, they'd finished eating. Uh, Where is your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he said. So, you know, this is when they announced their business. Uh, then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Wow, this is big news, isn't it? 25 years of waiting for a child. Uh, finally, finally, God is going to deliver on this promise. But Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing, just in case we hadn't forgotten. Uh, so Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I'm worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Sarah laughs. And the question, is this a good laugh or a not-so-good kind of laughed? Uh, first thing to say is we can understand why Sarah laughs, can't we? Uh, a couple of months ago, Colin Taylor down at uh, Trinity Church Woodcroft preached about this passage. Uh, if you don't know Colin, he used to be one of the pastors at this church. Uh, Woodcroft was a church that was planted from Trinity Church, Brighton. I think it was back in early 2019. Uh, and Colin, if you don't know, is English and he's into things like the royal family, uh, like I see all English people are. Uh, and I was listening to Colin's sermon earlier this week on the, on the same passage, and Colin said, well, imagine if this happened. Now, at this point, I put a fake news newspaper article on the screen, and uh, this is this is what the headline is. Uh, the headline is Philip's last surprise: Queen pregnant at ninety-five, miracle baby comforts queen in her grief. Just weeks after burying her husband, her royal highness the queen discovered Prince Philip had one last surprise in store for her. She is pregnant with her fifth child. Yeah, it's kind of funny, isn't it? A bit dark, but it's it's pretty funny, isn't it? Because it's just so ridiculous. You don't get pregnant in your 90s. It's such a ridiculous kind of concept. So it's at one level, why wouldn't Sarah laugh? You know, three, three random strangers show up and tell her she's going to have a child in her 90s. Who wouldn't laugh? But have a look at what God says. Uh, and this is where, uh, as I've already said, I think we find the key to our passage. Uh, verse 13, Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Sarah, I I don't even really think Sarah's done anything wrong. It's totally natural to laugh given what she just heard. But what Sarah needs to realize is that it doesn't matter how impossible this seems. This is God we're talking about. This is the God who made the world, who made the stars, who made, who made humans in the first place. Of course he can bring a baby out of a 90-year-old womb if he wants to. Nothing is too hard for God. 
as we saw in our reading, we also then skipped forward to chapter 21, uh, which is a year later. And as God promised, finally the child does come. God proves that he can do the impossible. He does deliver on what he says. Sarah does get pregnant. She gives birth. She has a son. Uh, names him Isaac. Uh, Isaac means laughter, by the way. Uh, this is what Sarah said when Isaac was born from chapter 21, verse 6. Uh, Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have mourned him a son in his own old age. Uh, at first, Sarah's laugh was a laugh of disbelief. But now in chapter 21, she's had the child. This is a really good laugh. You know, everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. That is, this, that is, this, this is that friends sitting around together, laughing, enjoying each other's company, celebrating a wonderful gift, sort of happy laughter. <coughs> I remember um, when my wife Annika and I bought our house, uh, the house with the dodgy door. Uh, we bought it a few years ago at an auction. We sort of didn't expect to get it. We sort of turned up to the auction. Annika hadn't even seen the house, actually, funnily enough. But uh, but the house sold for less than we thought, which I don't think happens anymore, by the way. But, but we got it. And there was lots of laughter that day. Happy, delirious, kind of joyful friends sitting around celebrating sort of laughter. God, God takes Sarah and takes her cynical laughter, her laugh of disbelief. And he turns it into a laugh of joy. A child at 90 seems ridiculous, doesn't it? But God is a God who can do anything. Not only does God give Abraham and Sarah this child, but he comes through with the rest of his promise too. Uh, through Isaac, God does eventually give Abraham and Sarah a whole nation of descendants. And a couple of thousand years later, one of those descendants is also given a message from God. They're also told they're going to have an unlikely child. Uh, this time it's not an old woman, it's a young woman, a virgin, uh, Mary. And Mary doesn't quite believe it at first either, but God shows that again. He shows again that he can do anything. Again, this baby is greeted with joy and laughter and celebration. But this baby is not just Isaac who brings joy to his parents. This is Jesus, the child who brings joy to the whole world. Who brings blessing to everyone who follows him. Uh, this is Jesus who takes sadness and turns it into joy who will one day usher in that new heavens of the new earth and get rid of brokenness forever, transform our cynical laughter or our laughing that masks our hardship and transform it into that proper, joyful, friends, celebrating, perfect, happy sort of laughter. I'm sure there'll be plenty of laughter in the new heavens and the new earth when Jesus returns. A long wait, a lavish meal, a good laugh, Let's just finish by trying to land things for us here in 2021. What, what difference does this all make, all make? What does it look like to trust in the God who can do something impossible? Well, one thing about a passage like this, which I think is here to show us that God can do anything he wants. Uh, sometimes, sometimes Christians read these sort of passages and they think, uh, oh, this is, this is great news. God can, God can do anything. That means if I just believe, I just have enough faith, then God will do anything I want. You know, if, if I believe that he'll heal, then he'll heal. Uh, if I believe he'll bless me with wealth, he'll bless me with wealth. If I trust God with my plans, then those plans will go well. Uh, you ever heard Christians thinking that way? Well, let me let me say a couple of things about that way of thinking, because I think there are a couple of problems. One is that we can start to think that God has promised us things that he actually hasn't promised us. You know, he had promised Abraham and Sarah a child. 
but he hasn't given us specific promises of things like healings or financial wealth or anything of of that nature. Another problem with um, this way of thinking, and this is more directly out of today's passage, uh, is a lot of times you will hear Christians saying that this is about how much faith you have. Uh, But this passage today actually shows that that can't be the case, because the whole point of today's passage passage is that Sarah didn't believe. Sarah scoffed, she laughed, she didn't believe that God was going to come through in his promises, and yet even though she didn't believe it, she didn't trust, she didn't have heaps of faith, God still came through and delivered on his promise. Uh, he is a God of grace who loves to good, give good gifts, and he doesn't need to sit around and wait for us to sort of believe hard enough before he acts. What today's passage shows us really, I think, is that uh, yes, God can do the impossible, God can do anything at all, uh, but the wrong reaction is to think that, okay, that means we can change his plans to be whatever we want them to be. The right reaction is to know that we can trust his plans, whatever happens. The right reaction is to know that we can trust his plans, whatever happens. He can do the impossible. And that means that if things are hard, he can he can even be using that for good. It means we can know that his plans for us are the best plans, even if it Sometimes those plans might mean a bit more waiting or a bit more pain than we might choose at the time. But look, uh, at the same time, there is great encouragement, isn't there, in knowing that we can trust in a God who can do the impossible. I think um, this hits the road in places like prayer. You know, to be able to pray to the God who can do immeasurably more than anything we could ask or imagine, that's an incredible gift. Uh, so I think training ourselves to pray, when we when we hear about something hard, someone is going through, praying about it, when we find ourselves in a hard moment, praying... Uh, through the Spirit, we can talk to the God who can do anything. And yes, we trust him, you know, whether he says yes, whether he says no, or or whether he says wait, you know, we still have to trust him because he knows best and he knows his plans. But uh, I, I still think prayer is powerful uh, and we would be foolish to neglect being able to pray to the God who can do the impossible. Uh, this passage also makes me think of just lots of tough situations that are, I think are hard situations, you know, hard situations where it's hard to see good coming out of those situations, you know, like lots of the nasty situations around the world. Uh, you know, personally, I know I think of friends who I'd love to see come to know Jesus. I can think of one friend who's who's heard the gospel before. Nice guy, not an anti, not anti-Christian really. Uh, he's just decided it's not for him. Um, and and sometimes it seems kind of impossible that he's going to change his mind. But uh, what this passage shows us is that God can do the impossible. At church this morning, we heard about Bush Church Aid a bit. Uh, Bush Church Aid, uh, re- regional ministry is really hard, and, and sometimes it's hard to imagine that God can do amazing things in small towns where things are so broken. But as, as we heard from Bush Church Aid this morning, actually, God is doing amazing things out in regional Australia. I think trusting God, uh, trusting the God who could do the impossible, I think it reminds us to take heart. Uh, it reminds us that whatever happens in our present circumstances, and there are lots of un, uh, there is lots of uncertainty in our present circumstances. Uh, it's really hard to know who's what's going to happen in the next few months with COVID and everything like that. Uh, it's definitely going to be hard. But but whatever happens in our present circumstances, He's a God who can do anything. He's a God who delivers on His promises. His promises of eternal life, of new creation. His promises are sure. Maybe it does seem impossible sometimes that we'll really have eternal life, that we'll really go to be in that eternal kingdom and have that wonderful, joyful laughter together. Uh, Maybe it seems impossible sometimes that Jesus did really pay for our sins, but we trust in the God who made everything. Uh, Look around. The, The world didn't come from nothing. 
Our God is powerful. He made all of this. He can do anything. And I think today's passage shows us that as sure as anything, he is a God who will deliver on his promises. He will deliver on what he said that he's going to do. Let's finish by praying. Dear Father God, uh, we're just amazed this morning at who you are, what what you've made, what you've done. Uh, truly, you are the God who can do the impossible. Help us to trust you, uh, to know that you're the God who delivers on your promises. Help us to be joyful in you. And help us, Father, to take heart. We pray in Jesus' name this morning. Amen.